Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, what's up? Not a whole lot. You know, just uh, here to uh, celebrate the life and career of the great Bob Lanier, one of the greatest big men in NBA history. Unfortunately, gets a little bit overshadowed because of the era that he played in. But, you know, great uh, player from Pretty much every account, a great guy, great ambassador for the NBA, and a, and a really big loss for the NBA community. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a pretty tough uh, week here uh, with Linear passing away. And and uh, a guy that, yeah, we'll talk about his entire career and and, and try to shine a, as much of a spotlight on his career as possible. Because like you said, yeah, he is a guy that gets definitely overshadowed playing the same position while, you know, <laughs> arguably the greatest of all time the greatest of all time, uh, was playing. So it's kind of tough, you know, when you're playing the same position as him. And and, and it's a, it was a tough era for him to play in. And, and, you know, his teams obviously weren't as good as, you know, Kareem's teams and weren't as good as some other teams uh, in the league. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of helped him, you know, get overshadowed a bit. But, yeah, I think in, you know, this week especially, it's it's one of those, like, unfortunate things where, like, you know, someone passes away and it's like that's when people really start going like, hey, wow, this guy had, like, a really cool career and he did a lot of cool stuff after his playing career as well, and here's the fun facts and all that sort of stuff. So I will try to shine as much of a spotlight on on him and his uh, his career. But I think his post-career stuff is just as uh, pretty awesome too. So uh, excited to kind of jump into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, just kind of overview. Um, yeah, he was nicknamed Dauber, also uh, – also, we got Babadab here on the uh, on the basketball reference. Uh, Babadab, yeah. Babadab. I haven't heard that one, but I like it. <laughs> I like so, Babadab. That's kind of good. Yeah. yeah. Whether that was really – he was called that or not, I like it. So, yes, uh, played from 1971 to 84. Um, played for mostly for the Pistons. Lane Descript played for the Bucks as well. One of the great centers of his time. Averaged uh, 20.1 points per game and 10.1 rebounds per game in his career. Dealt with injuries a lot and, and, you know, 
sort of second half of his career ended up, you know, not really playing full seasons for the most part. But if you look at his peak, 72 to 79, averaged 23.9 points per game, 12.5 rebounds per game, 3.5 assists, 1.2 steals, 2.0 blocks. So you pretty much just could do it all. If you, we, um, when we were diving into um, 50 greatest players, uh, our series we did many years ago, we were, you know, considering him a candidate for that. If you look at some of the the ranks he has all time, uh, 44th all time PR, 55th in win shares, 55th in win shares for 48, 34th in blocks, um, in, or excuse me, uh, yeah, um, box plus minus, which of course only measures after 74, six, 64th in value of replacement players. So, Definitely still, you know, a guy who has a case for, you know, top 50, top 75 of all time. Unfortunately, just missed both those teams in the NBA's 50th anniversary team and the 75th anniversary team. It would, you know, would have definitely, I think a lot of people felt like he would have been the 51st guy had, you know, they, uh, had they done that in, in, in 19, uh, uh, not, gosh, uh, 1997, excuse me, when they did the mm-hmm. uh, NBA's all time team. But yeah. Uh, a time all star. Interesting. Never made an all NBA team, and you already kind of alluded to this. Because yeah, he, tough competition, right. unfortunately, at his position. So right, right. I mean, you got Kareem, obviously, uh, but yeah, if you look at the guys who were all NBA during Lanier's prime, remember at this time there's only two teams, right? No, another third all NBA team. So yeah, another right. distinction there too. So other guys who who you know made the team during the time, yeah, Kareem, good. You got Will Will Reed, mm-hmm. yeah, Will Chamberlain. Oh, he's got, pretty good. Yeah. Dave Cowens, yeah. you got Bob McAdoo, you got Bill Walton, you got Moses Malone, and then you know guys who didn't make it during that time. You got Artis Gilmore, you got Wes Unsoda, you got Nate Thurman. So, like, yeah, um, it's pretty hard to make that team. You know, I mean, you, you would have thought, yeah, one of those years he might have snuck in at a second team, but yeah, just so much, so many great big men during that time. It's like, oh yeah, well, when you actually look at the guys who made it and. Like he was the third best big man in the league for a lot of that time, you know, as, as guys kind of like bounced up and down. And but um, yeah, that never quite made it to the um, the second team. In fact, in uh, 1974, uh, he finished third in MVP voting, but he was behind two centers, you know, Kareem and Bob McAdoo. So uh, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it, you know, you, you think, oh yeah, he was just an eight-time All Star. Like, oh, he never made the All NBA team. And, like, and first of all, why are you? saying that voice about it like he was being sarcastic about it like he was so great like uh but uh but yeah um yeah they what they need to do is is you know similar yeah. how people have conversations these days about like ah oh, right. we should just have like you know uh back court and front court or whatever they should have had two right. centers you know two centers on the all nba team and then i don't know sorry point guard there's no point guard who cares you know? yeah <laughs> we got two centers. yeah right yeah <laughs> you got like you got like eight centers of the team out of ten. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah yeah, because yeah. people now that, that same guy that's like, oh, he never. That guy's like, oh, why don't they just do the ten best players in the league? Or what is, you right. know, okay, yeah. fine. Then they're all centers. Yeah, great. You and I do the same voice for that guy. Apparently. Yeah, that guy's so. a jerk. Yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. Yeah, actually, I, I, I'm kind of pro positionless uh, all NBA team. No, I am too. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> like that guy's that right on stuff. some. You know, he's not always right. wrong, but you know, right. it's like that worst yeah. guy you know. You know, the, oh. the the worst guy you know makes a great point. Like that's yeah. that guy, unfortunately. Yeah. So. That guy, exactly. So, yes. So some other. Um, rankings during uh, you know his playing career he's five times he was top five win shares 48 five times top five in value replacement players seven times was top five in per so yeah a lot of seasons where you could argue he was definitely one of the best, five best players in the league um also six times he was top 10 in points per game four times top 10 rebounds per game although he was never in the top five in either for whatever um reason but yeah just i mean he was you know unquestionably the leader top player in the pistons during the 70s just an incredibly athletic shot blocker 
despite the knee problems, which we'll get into, you know, he, he had a huge body, you know, great score defender. And also like he had a great shooting touch and a great hook shot, you know, other than Kareem, you know, one of the best hook shots in, um, in NBA history. And uh, this, this is, this has been disputed in some quarters. I'm, I'm going to go in this instance with, with both print the legend, the largest shoe ever created by a shoe company. Allen Edmonds was a size 22 for Lanier. So some people say it was 22. Some people say it was 18 and a half. I'm going to go with 22 print the legend, Rich. What do you say? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I was reading a little bit about that too. And yeah, I saw that a lot of people were like, ah, 18 and a half. I'm like, 18 and a half is a pretty big shoe, but uh, Good enough. still got a large shoe. Like the man had large right. feet. Let's just go with that. You know, that's, but, but yeah, I like, yeah. I like the size 22 for Lanier. It's like, you know, he doesn't get, that much else done for right. him so yeah give him this give let, let him have right this. yeah yes so and then yeah one uh you know as, as you mentioned played for the pistons the pistons generally weren't all that good although they did actually did, had some pretty good years which we'll get into a bit but he played under eight coaches in 10 seasons during uh with yeah, the pistons. each good. coach hired or fired in the mid- middle of the season so even more disruptive but he is the um pistons all-time leader in scoring average 22.7 points per game second in rebounds per game Boy, can you guess who is first in rebounds per game in pistons history the first in rebounds per game in pistons history yes. um man Not Ben. I don't think it's Ben Wallace, but it's probably Ben Wallace, right? Yeah, you would think it'd be Ben Wallace or maybe Dennis Rodman. It yeah. is Andre Drummond, my friend. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. So, <laughs> awesome. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, third in total points and rebounds. Still has a good case for greatest piston ever. Certainly, you know, among uh, the club of guys you would consider for that. So. Yeah, I would. I would try to. You know, when when you pose that question in, in in the notes, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, you have like obviously more success with like an Isaiah, so sure. you get why people would go towards Isaiah or whatever, and and. Yeah, I mean, there's the Billups and those crew, but you know, they their their tenure there wasn't that long, and you know, what I mean, they, right. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say Lanier is probably I'd put him either one or two. I I would say Isaiah probably would, would be in the yeah. conversation, but I I sure. you know or, or Dave Bing, I guess you could probably put in the conversation too. But sure, yeah, I think Lanier at, at worst you could put him number three. I think at, at worst, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so I think we're going to dive a little bit into uh, his careers. We're going to start with the early Pistons year, 71 to 75. So he was the number one overall pick out of St. Bonaventure. He led them to the Final Four. Unfortunately, late in the prior game before the Final Four, he injured his knee in a collision with future teammate Chris Ford. Uh, didn't actually play in the Final Four. And then when he signed his NBA contract, he was actually in the hospital recuperating from knee surgery. It would be the first of eight knee surgeries in his career. Um, he reported to Pistons training camp. He was limping, significant pain, and he was overweight from a long period of inactivity following the surgery. But he played 82 games anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, 71. He was an all rookie team. He averaged 15.6 points per game, 8 point rebounds, only played 24 minutes per game. So they at least made some accommodation for um, his knee issues. But it was the first winning season. For the Pistons, they won 45 games in Detroit. So that's since 1958. Though by fluke, they missed the playoffs. They actually started that season. I don't know. Uh, Lanier later said, "Yeah, I wasn't healthy when I first got in the in the league. I shouldn't have played my first year. My knee was so sore every single day that it was ludicrous to be doing what I was doing. <laughs> um, felt like the franchise would have been better off if they held him out, but obviously that's in retrospect. And yeah, they had a solid core at that point. You know, Dave Bing's still he's 27, so um, you know, he he was a, a few years older than Lanier." Uh, they had Jimmy Walker, who you know was also a uh, a, a good player, a good scorer on the team of the near. So yeah, yeah, like things might be uh, looking up in old uh, Detroit. And yeah, one of the great things about being playing in Detroit, hey, Lanier and Bing would play poker with the four tops. So that's, Hell yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, awesome. I would love to play. Yeah, that that would, is, be some great times, yeah. That is great. But so. yeah, you mentioned their 45-win season, and, and this is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, the, especially in this era, like the divisions and the conferences or whatever are kind of a mess, and the way that they're doing the playoffs are kind of a mess. So you have the Western Conference, the Midwest Division. Uh, Milwaukee has 66. Uh, they're in <laughs> the playoffs. They have 66 wins. Of course, they're in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, the sure. Bulls have 51 wins, so they are the yeah. other team out of the Midwest Division. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have 48 wins. They miss out. The Detroit Pistons have 45 wins. They miss out. Uh, believe it or not, the Suns had more wins than the Pacific Division leader, Los Angeles Lakers. They had the same amount of wins, uh, 48 wins uh, for both. And then the other representative from the playoffs – uh, and the Pacific Division was the San Francisco Warriors at 41 wins. So significantly less than both of the Suns and the Detroit Pistons. And then on the flip side, on the Eastern Conference, you have the Atlanta Hawks at 36 and 46 that make it into the playoffs. So it's just kind of the wonky, you know, it's a smaller playoff. So, like, you know, you're going to win 45 games and be left out because, you know, Milwaukee had 66 and the Bulls had 51. And uh, the way they set it up, that's that's how it was. So, yeah, only four teams from from both conferences go in. So, right. uh, yeah, an unfortunate yeah. Uh, you know, because that's a great, I mean, that's a great season for Detroit, especially given where they had been for, like you said, the last two decades. You know, that's a hell of a season for them. And uh, it was the building, you know, starting the building box for what would be uh, this, you know, linear Detroit Pistons team. Yes, although it would go right for a little while. 1972, linear, he's playing full time now, 25.7 points per game, 14.2 rebounds, becomes an all star for comes the first the success, time. Success, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Is individual success, good. Uh, team oh. success, eh, not so great. Oh, they only win 26 games. They get their coaching change um, after a six and four start. Uh, Butch Van Bredikoff, yeah, you know, he's got other things. He's not, perhaps not so happy in Detroit. He's, he's a little fired up, a little, little bit crazy. He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. They start six and four. Things are good. They're going to go. Eventually, they go to Earl Lloyd. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, that didn't go well. Um, a big issue that year, Dave Bing, he suffers a detached retina, only plays 45 games. Uh, the Pistons defense goes from fifth in the league previously to um, – 16th in the league, which is out of 17 teams, so uh, not great. <laughs> no. And, uh, yeah, so it all kind of falls apart for the Pistons uh, that season. But 73, things turn around a bit. Uh, they do uh, have a, a early season coaching change. Earl Lloyd is out. Uh, Ray Scott comes in. So this actually does turn out well. They finish 40 and 42. Um, they make some changes to the roster that are important. Uh, Jimmy Walker yeah, he didn't get along too much with Erloy. He got traded for uh, Stu Lance, who's more veteran presence. They get Don Adams. They get Chris Ford. They get John Mengelt all added to the team, which are, you know, key guys in their mid-70s team. Curtis Rowe, you know, he's uh, he came out of UCLA. This was his second season. He's also coming along. He would be an all-star later. So, yeah, they start to, you know, 40 and 42, you know, nothing like outstanding, but they definitely make some moves that end up being beneficial to their uh, Scott is a much better coach for the team. He's, um, you know, he's younger. I mean, obviously, um, Earl Lloyd, he was, a, he was a great scout and, you know, he was a really important player in the fifties, but he's significantly older than them where Ray Scott had just played in the league recently, you know, closer in nature, the guys closer to, you know, what the modern, more modern player mm-hmm. and linear credited him with improvement coach said, Hey, yeah, we took over. He took over. We started playing collectively as a unit. We had a good feeling. We related well to one another, and that pays dividends the next season. Absolutely, yeah. Things get yeah. really finally get on track. Finally, yes, fifty-two wins, which is the they they the franchise's best SRS and record that they would ever have until the nineteen eighty-eight season. Uh, and actually, a funny thing: had the rules not changed about two teams per division, per division making the playoffs, the Pistons actually would have missed the postseason. So <laughs> great <laughs> again, yeah. Because they were third in the division behind the Bucks and the Bulls. Again, funny, the, basically the same story in uh, 71. Um, and then, yeah, Lanier, um, 
22.5 points per game, 13.3 rebounds, three blocks per game, 1.4 steals per game. Gains the reputation as one of the best defenders in the league. Although, interestingly, he never made an all-defensive team. But the reason he didn't make an all-defensive team is basically the same reason he never made the uh, all-NBA team is because the centers were so great. And Nate Thurmond, uh, you know, w- was making that defensive team pretty much every year. You know, you had Kareem make it at sometimes, you know, Walton later, other guys like that. So perfectly understandable in, in context, but just sort of interesting. Um, Lanier... He led that season's All-Star Game, 24 points, named the All-Star Game MVP. And the Pistons, unfortunately, at least for them, fell to the Bulls in the Western Conference semifinals, a classic Game 7. Lanier's great in that series, 26.3 points per game on 54 true shooting, 15.3 rebounds. But uh, the, the the Pistons, they, they, made a, you know, they made a huge comeback in – Game seven, but unfortunately, with three seconds left, Dennis Autry, the Bills, tips an inbounds pass by Bing. Uh, Norm Van Leer dribbles out the clock to preserve the Chicago victory. Um, and Ray Scott would later say, I'll never forget that series of the Bulls. Bob was a Spartan. He did everything that we could possibly get him to do. He, in my opinion at that time, showed that he was one of the greatest in the league because he was competing against Thurman and Cowens and Reed. And he also said, he was as good a, a big man as I've ever seen, and I grew up with Will Chamberlain. There it yeah. is. That's, that's yeah. high praise. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's an all time great series. I mean, most games are pretty close. Uh, right. Game three decided by one point. Uh, game yeah. five decided by four points. Game six decided by just a couple points, and then game seven, as you said, just two points as well. So a very very close, hotly contested seven game series could have easily gone any other way. And like you said, literally a tip in is 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 what you know really does it for. Uh, Chicago so yeah really really cool uh, like all-time great series and yeah it's disappointing that somebody had to lose that series and and, and right. you know uh it, it's a it's a really really cool one uh and that yeah. you know a, a lot of those 70s western conference I mean they were all really really awesome and and it unfortunately features two teams like the Bulls and, and the Pistons who always seemed you know good but not quite good enough they would always you know get they would always battle each other in those first few rounds or whatever and sure. then you know they'd face the Lakers and it's like no oh, shit <laughs> like, yeah, or the Bucks, or yeah, the Bucks. They, yeah, it's like ah, yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, uh, they weren't as pretty much. Yeah, the the Bulls and the Pistons' problem is they weren't as good as Kareem, or they weren't as good as Will Chamberlain. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. both in yeah. their career and their teams and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So 1975. So very important. Uh, you know, Fred Zellner, one of the original owners. You know, going back to the NBL and going back to the formation of the NBA when the NBL and the BA merged. Fred Zellmer's been the Pistons owner for that entire time in Fort Wayne and in um, you know and in Detroit, Detroit, of course. Uh, finally, I think I think he was the last of the original owners to sell. You know, he sells to Bill Davidson, who ends up being like regarded as one of the best owners in NBA history. You know, um, stewards over the Pistons come back in you know late '80s and you know some of those great years. Um, however, it's a rough start for him. Um, the um, uh, Dave Bing and Don Adams, they both hold out in the preseason over a contract dispute. You know, Bing, uh, you know, he you know, he wasn't being treated fairly. Um, eventually, they do both, you know, agree to play. But Adams later in the season ends up getting released despite being a key role player and great defender. This angers Bing a lot. You know, he's frustrated with a lot of things in management. He and Ray Scott have um, issues. They end up having falling out. They don't speak for several years, in fact, after this. Um, and, uh, you, you know, being, he, he and Lanier were close. They were roommates, you know, they, they, they had a, a very good relationship with each other, but he, but Bing's even mad at Lanier. Like, yeah, you're not speaking out more. You're not, you know, raising any 
fuss about us losing Adams. He's a really key player. And then they, they fall back down there. They 40 and 42. They lose in the first round against the Sonics. Um, you know, being in linear, both are all stars again. Uh, but you know, it's time a- after that, it's time to be done. Uh, you know, being requested trade ends up being traded to the bullets for Kevin Porter. Actually, Kevin Porter ends up missing most of the next season with injury. So it doesn't really help them immediately, but, um, you know, being talks in the book about, you know, in his book, he wrote, they being wrote a book. I actually just happened to, uh, see the bookstore yesterday and read a little bit about it. And, and, and Bing reads a, a description about he, and Bob Lanier were in tears together over, you know, when the trade finally comes, Lanier's like, you know, just veto the trade, man. You know, you stay here. You know, we, we can do this together. And being just like, man, I want to play with you, but I'm just, you know, I'm done with the situation. I'm done with Detroit. You know, I need to move on. So, um, you know, just a really emotional situation for uh, for them and, you know, kind of an end of the era for the uh, Pistons. Yeah, it, it really is in a lot of ways. And, and we'll move on to kind of the late Pistons career. Uh, and, and the next chapter of, of, of Lanier's career. So 1976, he plays only 64 games because of injuries. He does miss the All-Star game for the first time since his rookie year as well. You're not going to believe this, but the Pistons get a new coach. 60, <laughs> they go 36 and 46. Uh, Ray Scott is fired midseason for assistant Herb Brown, who is Larry Brown's brother, uh, and, and many uh, rumors about him uh, campaigning to get the job uh, pretty secretly uh, as well from that. But... Um, uh, Greg Eno from Out of Bounds describes Scott's uh, dismissal, says, quote, 30 years ago in a month, Scott was conducting practice. The Pistons were in a terrible slump at the time, and management strode on the court, relieved Scott of his of his silver whistle, and marched him off the court to give him the Ziggy, the Detroit word for a coach, getting fired. So, mid-practice. <laughs> yeah, the Ziggy's a great term, though. You know, that is so. good. Yeah, we need to bring that back. When yeah. <laughs> We need more coaches being fired in the midst of practice, and we right. need to call it Ziggy. I want the next headline writer to say, you know, Luke Walton gets the Ziggy, you know, at the, like whoever who's coaching the Kings uh, who got hired uh, a couple days ago. They're, they'll be fired in no time. Um, oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I who knows? Who cares? They'll be fired in no time. Yeah, Give him right. the Ziggy. Don't I don't even I forget who it even was. He'll get the Ziggy at some point very soon. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, Ray Scott, you're thinking, well, you know what? Whatever. NBA Coach of the Year, he's going to get another opportunity in the league. This guy's no, he never did. Yeah, of course, yeah. Couldn't right. find a spot for him yeah. somewhere in this league of of constantly yeah. in and out. That had to be a personal decision, right? Like, yeah, I, well, right? well, I no, probably he, ended up, he 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 coached in college. He, he did have a he had a bit of a college coaching career, Eastern Michigan University. But yeah, I uh, that's like a big fall though. Yeah, that's like a big I, fall to be like, yeah, I'll just right. coach Eastern Michigan, I guess, forever. So I don't know that that's, that's uh, strange. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. So. Yeah, I wonder uh, wonder why that could have possibly been. I wonder what uh, what what aspect of Ray Scott could have uh, led Ray him to never get a uh, yeah could have never yeah. gotten a yeah I don't know as a hmm. coach yeah I can't can't figure it out it's mysterious yeah <laughs> the the yeah. Pistons did however win ten out of their last eleven games under Herb Brown they beat the Bucks in the first round uh, the yeah. first playoff series win since nineteen sixty two as well so there you go. Uh, Detroit won the deciding third game of the series in Milwaukee, 107-104, uh, securing the win with a great uh, late Chris Ford steal. So, yeah, maybe he gave Chris Bob Ford. Lanier you know, knee injuries for the rest of his life, but he, he secured right. a win in the playoff series. So. Yeah, there you go. So it all evens out. Yeah, yeah. there you go. And he hit the first right. uh, three in NBA history, so good for him. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Then they would fall. Of course, they were like, oh, we finally got by the Bucks. Thank God. Now we can find. Now then they lose to the Golden State Warriors. 4 to 2 in the Western Conference semifinals, dropping the sixth game in overtime, 116, 1, or 118, 116 at the yeah. famous Kobo Arena 
in Detroit. So uh, at this time, Lanier is, you know, you could kind of say, I don't know if slowing down is the right term, but he definitely this year, things were not all the way what they had been. Lanier had a, yeah. a bit of a down year. He scored his fewest points per game uh, aside from his rookie year. Uh, his rebounds per game were the lowest since his rookie year. He also blocked the fewest shots per game while in Detroit. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yes, they're, they're you know, they make the playoffs. They do pretty well. But yeah, the thing... He is slowing down a little bit, and is it injuries? Right. Is it age? Is it what's you know what exactly is going on uh, sure. with, with Lanier here? It's 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 it, tough to say, but hey, you know the success is coming, so it's yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean it was more durable. Although he was definitely down that year, he he bounced back in terms of you know per game stats, he right, right, twenty one and twenty five points per game. But it was definitely more availability. Now now he's like you know playing sixty four games per year, fifty three one year. I mean he he never really. He has one more year where he plays anything close to a full season. Yeah. Again. So, um, it, you know, but yeah, he was definitely a bit down in productivity. But yeah, the they definitely d- delivered well in the playoffs, and uh, you have have a nice little run there. Uh, and hey, they're going to get Marvin Barnes and the dispersal draft, and then at seventy seven, things are just going to go great. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. When you when you can acquire yeah. a guy whose nickname is Bad News, it's probably going to be good news, and it was not. Okay. Uh, Nineteen seventy seven, forty four and thirty eight. They lose to the Warriors in the first round. Uh, they added Barnes, uh, Marvin Barnes, in the dispersal draft, as well as ML Carr in free agency, two former members of the Spirits of St. Louis. Uh, Barnes did not go great. The uh, seventy seventh season is described. Really much as best. Uh, an absolutely insane, probably the craziest in Pistons history. Uh, they won a lot of games where were completely uh, dysfunctional. It's from John Popinek uh, of Sports Illustrated. Uh, he would say, if the Pistons were doing a TV miniseries, they would make Roots seem like Ding Dong School. What? I don't know what Ding Dong School is. I don't know if I know what that <laughs> reference is. Do you know what Ding Dong School is? Uh, yes, I know what I Roots is. I don't know what Ding yeah. Dong School is. Though. Ding Dong School. No, I'm guessing it's some sort of kid show. You know, uh, I would assume, yeah. Yes, right. Uh, much of the, uh, believe it or not, much of the dysfunction centered around Marvin Bad News Barnes, who was arrested oh, during the right. season for carrying yeah. a gun while on probation. That's not good. Uh, and the addition of Herb Brown as coach, who struggled to get along with these strong personalities on his team, which I, personally, I can't even believe a member of the Brown family could not possibly get along with uh, the, the members of his, his professional basketball team. But uh, That is really, really hard to believe. I, I baffled. I, I guess we're just going to have to go into that assumption, but I, I yeah, I don't know. It's That's... Hmm. Uh, that that family is very well known for, especially with the you, know, you know players that might be on the fringes of society. You know, players like I'm, uh, it's impossible that he would not you know get along perfectly with these guys. But anyway, um, the Pistons would eventually bench Barnes, uh, who said news didn't come here to sit on no wood, which is no, just a, a great an all time great quote. If I, I would get yeah. that on like a, a you know you know how there's those like live laugh loves or whatever and all that right. sort of stuff. I want to get where it says news didn't come here to sit on no wood. That's we incredible. we definitely need to, yeah we need to get in marketing. We need to uh, sell some motivational posters. Marvin Barnes and then that quote right there. Yeah you yeah know, Mar- yeah yeah. News didn't come here to sit on no wood. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, in yes. later years. Uh, Bob Lanier reflected on the dysfunctional Barnes, stating, quote, in the ABA, Marvin Barnes was a great, great player that had issues. They took a chance on him, but Marvin was still in the street life, and he affected Eric Money. Eric Money was a uh, Detroit product who played college basketball at uh, Arizona. I could shoot the in-between jumper, and he may have been one of the best that ever played. A few years ago, I ran into Marvin in Houston and said, Bob, I used to get high all the time, and Eric started to get high with me. When Tenman tells you that, and this is some 20-odd years ago, you want to put your fist right through their head. And I adored Barnes. I liked his personality, and he's as charming as a guy as you ever want to meet. But in terms of him trying to be a part of a team that wins championships, man, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> it's a great way to finish that. Yeah, it didn't go very well. 
Uh, Lanier and Barnes each suffered a broken hand late in the season. Uh, Barnes did not appear in the playoffs for Detroit, but Lanier was able to return. Uh, Coach Herb Brown also elected to start Eric Money uh, over Kevin Porter. Uh, that doesn't, uh, I don't know about that, down the stretch. And in the postseason, right. the Pistons fell to Golden State 2-1, to uh, despite winning the opening game of the series 95-90 in Oakland. Uh, and then in the deciding third game, Bob Lanier put forward a, uh, a double-double of 33 points, 15 rebounds, shot 72% from the floor, only to be outdueled. My fellow Hall of Famer, Rick Barry, who scored 35 points uh, to get the Warriors the 109-101 win. And then things would get a little worse for Barnes as he would report to the Rhode Island Department of Corrections in Cranston, Rhode Island. Uh, that was in the offseason. He'd serve a 152-day sentence. He had pleaded guilty to a two-year-old charge that he had attacked a Providence teammate uh, with a tire iron. Uh, the judge gave him three years probation. And the October 1976 gun at the Detroit airport was a probation violation. Uh, causing the requirement uh, to complete that initial sentence. So, yeah, not great. Uh, as far as Barnes, he had a quote in People Magazine. It says, I'm not your apple pie and ice cream guy like Doc. Throwing some shade at Phil- uh, uh, Philadelphia star Julius Irving. I'm the baddest. I'm for real black. Wow. Yeah, so he lives with the hunters right. uh, of the Providence ghetto uh, where he grew up. I did not know that Providence had a, a, a strong, but there you go. So Apparently, yeah. Uh, when he first signed as a pro with the Spirits of St. Louis in 1974 uh, for $2.1 million, he leased an apartment with 13 phones and bought a silver Rolls Royce, a diamond initial ring for each hand, and a ruby necklace that said, News. And he said, money is the root of all of my evils. 13 phones. 13 phones. That yeah. seems excessive. Yeah, that's, that's like millennial behavior right there. You know, that's uh, was Marvin Barnes the first millennial? I don't he know. may have been, yeah. So now are these like, these can't all be on different lines. It's just like any room that he's in, he can take a call, right? Type of thing. I, 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 okay, to be fair, Marvin probably had yeah. one or two different lines. There was probably right. certain lines to well, do certain I mean, the, things. But I, I think I, on, on yeah. normal, if you're calling, if you're, hey, you want to come hang out tonight, like, he's right. got one in the bathroom for sure, right? He's got one in the bedroom sure. for sure. Kitchen, yeah. that's three already. Um, right. It's probably more of a long distance. Yeah, that's that's really what's going to kill you in the 70s. You know? <laughs> the, the collectible yeah, I, I don't know how many, I don't know how expensive phones are at that point, whether yeah. it's really that expensive death 13 phones. Maybe, yeah. I so. feel like you got the hookups for him. I mean... Yeah, Just plug him in, and then yeah, you got him. I mean, it's, the house oh, had to be a, yeah. very loud though. Like anytime a call would be made, there's just <laughs> right. yeah. so many Pretty things ringing. ringing. Yeah, that's so upsetting. Yeah, that that would not care for that. Could you uh, imagine living with phones ringing in your house these days? Like I know, it'd be awful. Yeah, yeah. Or people right. like calling you. Ugh, gross. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, You're talking on the phone. Get out of here. You that thing. Yeah, right. 1978, so after spending the oh, yeah. offseason in prison, uh, Barnes was traded to the Buffalo Braves in November, uh, bringing Gus Gerard and, and John Shoemate to Detroit. Uh, believe it or not, you're going to be shocked by this once again, Jason, but uh, Herb yeah. Brown replaced as the coach by GM Bob Kaufman, uh, who, three-time All-Star, he was hired soon after his playing career. Uh, he was the GM at this time as well, so they uh, said, ah, well, why don't you be our coach, too? He was the GM and the coach. That usually yeah. goes very, very well. And even in today's NBA and that NBA, it always goes well when you get sure. a GM and a coach at the same time. But, um, yeah. yeah, then the team, would, uh, the team would miss the playoffs for the first time in four years. Uh, last season playing at the Cobo Arena in Detroit as well. They played in the Pontiac Silverdome until moving to Auburn Hills uh, during the Bad Boys era. I didn't realize they were in the Silverdome as much as they were. I always thought that was like, right. a, yeah. like a weird in-between thing that the Pistons have to do. But then it's like, no, they were in the Silverdome for a long time. Like, that, yeah, like eight years. a yeah. giant arena <laughs> for, right. for basketball. Yeah. And, you know, right. using like one-ninth of the arena to to, to, to play. But, uh, well, sometimes right. using most more a lot of the arena, more towards... The bad boys era, but uh, yeah, it's kind of wild, and it's not like the Cobra Arena went away. I mean, it was still, it was still there. But uh, 
obviously the connotations of being in downtown Detroit in the late seventies and eighties, it, you know, uh, there's probably yeah. a lot of reasons why they wanted to be, Hey, we're in Pontiac. Yeah. yeah. And then later it's in Auburn Hills, Hey, we're in Auburn Hills, yeah. but now they're back in, right. in, in downtown. So, uh, yeah. All is right. All is well. Yeah, sure. Cobo. I mean, and a lot of, there's a lot of crime around Cobo Hall. I mean, Hulk Hogan threw, you know, Paul White off of it and stuff. You know, that was a right. lot of, yeah. know, a lot of awful was, stuff happened. At, at least one murder. There was at least one murder at Cobo <laughs> yeah, Hall. So, yeah. Right. yeah that we know Although he did return an hour later unscathed, but he is the giant. Well, so, you know, there's... I, there's... Yeah, I don't know. Was it, okay, attempted murder. I'm yeah, sure. t- definitely an attempted murder. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, more like reckless homicide, I would say, because Hogan did not want to, and he immediately went like, no, <laughs> after he oh, did okay. it. So, you know, they were All pushing right, and cool. shoving. One thing led to another, and then, you know, there Listen, goes giants. I, I'm sh- <laughs> I'm sure there are worse crimes that we could try Hulk Hogan for. Than that, so. <laughs> right, right. But right. Uh, yeah. anyway, the Pistons finished the uh, season 38 and 44, fourth place in the Midwest. Uh, tensions lingered from the previous season, especially between Coach Herb Brown and Ke- uh, guard Kevin Porter. That's going to happen when you bench a player that's pretty good. Uh, and like yeah. we said, Porter said, uh, uh, this year when I'm yanked, I'll accept it. Uh, and Brown saying, I may have made some mistakes. Team ca- uh, Captain Bob Lanier would add, you can't change human nature. To be fair, they should trade one of them. So I like that. He's like, <laughs> you know, instead of taking, he it, it very clearly like, like, look, I don't know. These guys are just annoying. Trade one. Of them. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Like, get rid of one also, of them. Why not? Get rid of both of them. I don't care. <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, they did that. Uh, Porter was traded in November, uh, eight games into the season to the New-, New Jersey Nets, and he would lead the NBA in assists on the season. And then Brown was fired a month later. Uh, and then with uh, Brown gone, Porter returned via a trade the next year. So play a, a, a little brief period in New Jersey, then come back to Detroit. Uh, again, and then unfortunately, near more injury issues for him, he'd miss the Pistons' final 12 games uh, of the season after having knee surgery. Uh, Detroit would go 5-7 and seven, uh, without Lanier uh, and missed the playoffs. So uh, quickly here, we'll go through these last few years because uh, things are not going great in Detroit. The, the, oh, no. the good years are, are, are in the past for sure. Uh, 1979, the Pistons moved to the Eastern Conference. They had been in the West since 1951, uh, except for three years in the late 60s pre-conferences. And then uh, Lanier still very productive, 23.6 points per game, 9.3 rebounds per game. Still an NBA All-Star, uh, but as you mentioned earlier, just limited to games. Like those days of him playing 82 and 81 and being like, ah, I was limping, but I was still playing 81 games or whatever. Yeah. Uh, those are pretty much done. He's like a 60 to 50 uh you know, game guy now, 53 games this year. Um, the team goes 30 and 52, which is wild because they had Dick Vitale as their coach. And, you know, yeah. that, that Dick Vitale. And uh, was it awesome, baby? It was not. It was no, not at all. Not uh, awesome. They were bad. No. He was hospitalized with stress during the season. Uh, he also really, really liked drafting guys from the University of Detroit where he had coached previously. And to be fair, both guys did play pretty well. John Long. So it's not just like, hey, I'm drafting these guys because I know about them. Like, they did pretty well. John Long had 16.1 points per game, and Terry Tyler had 12.9 points per game and 2.5 blocks per game. So good for them. But uh, yeah, they missed the playoffs. And then that leads us into 1980, where, okay, we're adding Bob McAdoo. Yeah. This is going to go great. We've yeah. talked about this before. You had Bob McAdoo, you put him with Bob Lanier. What could possibly go wrong? Except for, yeah, well, two Bobs. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Uh, so they get an uh, infamous trade with the Boston Celtics, giving up two first round picks, including what turned out to be the number one overall pick uh, in 1980. But, you know, who are you, who are you even going to draft? You know, it's no one right, really right. That available. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. 1980. You know, yeah. yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. What do you get? Yeah. I mean, 19, number one overall pick in 1980 draft? I mean, yeah. yeah. Good, I'm sure. Uh, well, I, to be fair, you know. Anyway, um, they went, <laughs> they went yeah. 16 and 66. Not good. Uh, yeah. Vitel is out. 
Jason, again, shocking. They switch coaches. Uh, yeah. Richie Abadou. Uh, I always forget. I can never get yeah. that. Abadou. 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 I think about I, it. I guess. Yeah. Comes out to me. I forget it. But yeah, that guy. Uh, the B and the D. Yeah, you want to switch them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want to make it Abu. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's Abu tough. Abadou. Yeah. Exactly. Abadou. I always want to. Even yeah. though that's. Uh, I do. Uh, Jesus. Four and eight start. Uh, the worst record in the NBA since the 1973 Sixers won six or won nine games, which is like. Yeah, Bob McAdoo. Yeah, Bob Lanier. What's going on? How is this happening? But uh, yeah. well, they don't not gonna have Lanier for the whole time because uh, Lanier's last game for the Pistons is on December 26, nineteen seventy nine. After which the Pistons were nine and twenty eight, uh, and then later with the Pistons at fourteen and forty, uh, Lanier is traded on February fourth, nineteen eighty, to the twenty nine and twenty seven Milwaukee Bucks for Kent Benson and the nineteen eighty first round pick Larry Drew, later selected there. Uh, the Bucks with Lanier finished the season twenty and six and fell to the defending champion uh, Sonics in seven games in a very very classic series. Lanier kind of felt like his old self a little bit here. He averaged nineteen point three points per game, fifty six point five true shooting, nine point three rebounds per game, four point four assists per game, one steal per game, and one point one blocks per game. Uh, definitely outplayed uh, Jack Sigma as well, uh, and he had nineteen points and fifteen rebounds in the deciding game. So Lanier said of this trade, you know, I wanted the trade. I got to Milwaukee, and the people gave me a standing ovation and really made me feel welcome. It was the start of a positive change. I just wish I had played with that kind of talent around me when I was young. But if I had Marquis Jansen and, and Sidney Moncrief and all of them around me, damn. So I like that. I like that Bob Lanier finishes damn. every quote with damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's, damn. that's awesome. Yeah. So Richie Adubato also he coached the '93 uh, yeah, Mavericks. That, I was going to say season. maybe don't yeah. co- maybe don't hire him as your coach. Things don't right. seem to go very well. Hey, so. I, he he had one season above 500 during that time. Yeah. So in the '90 Mavericks, he, he's, he can hang his hat on the 42 and 29 record with the 1990 Mavericks. So yeah, didn't go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of not great teams too. Yeah, I wonder if, if you're like trying to. Uh, there should be like a modern team that if they're trying to tank, they they'll they'll, they'll grab him and. Get out about it. Yeah, he's uh, he's only eighty four. <laughs> yeah, a little old. <laughs> you know, might not relate to today's players very right, much. But, right, right. Uh, yeah. I think he had a pretty. If I remember correctly, he was actually pretty damn good in the WNBA. Right? Didn't he coach the Liberty? Let me. See. Yeah, oh. yeah. He coached the Liberty for a bunch of years. I don't know if he. Yeah, he was in three NBA finals with the Liberty. Uh, oh, okay. Lost, cool. lost all three of them. But yeah, you know what? Oh, you hey, get to the yeah. finals that counts right, for that's something. Good. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, made a conference finals with New York, and then he played. He coached Washington as well. Lost in the first round. Yeah, not not okay. as good in Washington. But uh, all right, well, there, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, don't want to disparage out about it too much. Yeah, I don't realize that. So, cool, drop Richie out about effects on the uh, on the Bob Lanier podcast. There so, it is. yeah, yep, yep. A- anyone wants to uh, you know, correct us in our pronunciation of Adubato, that's my best guess. I don't actually 100% know, but uh, we'll figure it out. Okay, going to Milwaukee. So, yeah, his first full season with Milwaukee 1981, and his numbers individually are down a bit, you know, as the, the team has a more uh, balanced roster. Uh, however, they win 60 games. Uh, he averages, you know, 14.3 points per game, 6.2 rebounds. The team's second in the NBA and SRS, second offensive rating, third in defensive rating. Great team. Uh, but yeah, hey, hey, they had just moved to the Eastern Conference as well, uh, as you know, as uh, a little bit later than Detroit did. So, you know, had they been in the traditionally in the Western Conference, they might have actually gone to the finals. But hey, here behind their, uh, they got Philly and they have the, um, and the, and the Celtics, of course, were both great. And hey, they lose to a slightly better team in the Eastern Conference in the finals, Philadelphia in seventy in seven games. Uh, and Lanier still great in the series, seventeen point six points per game, seven point four rebounds per game, but uh, it wasn't enough. But yeah, I, I was surprised to learn you know, going back a little bit to the previous season. You know, the, the fact that Lanier um, 
made so much of a difference in that in that prior season because yeah they were 29 and 27 when they acquired Lanier they finished 20 and 6 and you know he really does he's a really big boost to them you know in those first um you know few seasons where they really um you know where he still you know has an active role yeah he's more of a role player now as you said they have a lot of depth you know they've got other big men who can who can spell him um but but yeah, he definitely um, you know uh, is a big part of those teams. He's not just kind of like hanging in there, you know. Yeah, no, and it, it's yeah, the numbers go down, so you might look at it and go like, oh, and but yeah, he like integrated very well, and that you know, credit to him as well is a guy who was the lead guy, a, a multiple time right. all star. You know, it would have been a lot easier, you know, easy for him to come in there and be like, hey, I need my touches or I need to be scoring twenty. But he was just like, nah, man, let's let's do what we got to do. You know, I'll, I'll spread the ball around. I just want to win. I just want to get on a team that wins. I've had a ten right. years. My knees hurt. I just want to win, and and was able to kind of sacrifice a little bit. Did not shoot as much per game. Did, you know, almost I think what eight or nine less shots per game, you know, in, in the, some of those late uh, uh, Bucks years. And yeah, the scoring is, you know, 14, 15 points a game at later years would be 10. But like, again, he just wants to win. He just does whatever he can to try to help them win. So credit to him because, yeah, a lot of, you know, players that had been, you know, eight-time All-Stars or whatever, seven-time All-Stars aren't as adaptable to like, hey, you know what? I don't care. I just want to win. Um, I'm cool with scoring, you know, 13 points a game. Let's just get this thing. Let's get in the playoffs and let's win. So Sure. Yeah. And if you look at like the 82 season, for instance, like they have – uh, the, uh, the Bucks have seven guys averaging, you know, uh, 12 and a half or more points per game. Um, I mean, there's they, like a lot of guys who are you're just kind of like spreading around. Um, I mean, obviously they have Moncrief, they have Marcus Johnson, uh, you know, Quinn Buckner, Brian Winters, you know, uh, Junior Bridgman, Mickey Johnson there. I mean, this is, uh, they had so much balance and so much, um, uh, just so many guys to have just fitting in, in that role after you've been the guy for so long, um, is a challenging thing to do, and he did it really well, obviously, and um, you know played really well. But yeah, eighty-two, you know that, that's his last All-Star season. It's a little bit of a sentimental choice since the numbers had um, gone down. But hey, you know, but good for him. Uh, the Bucks had fifty-five wins, but they fell to the Sixers again in uh, six games. In the eighty-three season, they add Dave Cowens, who had retired in nineteen eighty. Um, he and Lanier kind of, almost kind of split the season. They both played around forty games or so. Um, and Cowens actually didn't play in the postseason. Uh, Lanier did. Uh, the Bucks sweep the uh, Celtics uh, that year, which is a bit of a, uh, a surprise. Uh, this was pre Dennis Johnson, but still they got they got Larry Bird. They got everyone. I don't. I, I can't remember if they had any significant injuries in that series or not. Um, let's see. Uh, Bird played three of the four games. Uh, Parrish was there, and and uh, Mikhail was there. So they had most of the team there. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they swept the uh, Celtics and then would end up losing to the uh, the the faux 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 Bucks. They actually made it faux five faux by getting one game from the uh, Bucks. Nobody was beating the Bucks that, or excuse me, nobody's beating the Sixers that year. Obviously, uh, this is also around the time where um, Lanier you know, he had become um, president of the Players Union, um, I believe in eighty, and then he helped negotiate a collective bargaining agreement in eighty three. It avoided a strike and introduced a salary cap formalized revenue sharing between players and owners and introduced regular drug testing. So obviously really, really important in the uh, league's history helped kind of create a framework that allowed the um, league to grow later in the eighties and into the nineties. And, um, you know, uh, good or bad about it certainly was revolutionary and he played like an important part and was definitely a leader off the court as well as on the court. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 
after li- listening to some of his past quotes or whatever about Lanier, it, it, it does seem like the drug testing part was a big, you know, thing that he really, really wanted as well. So being a part of that, you know, president of the players union, when that is implemented and yeah, for whatever, you know, right or wrong, whatever, whatever your thoughts are on it, it, it did transform the NBA. It gave the idea yeah. and the impression to the outside world that, okay, this league that once was quote unquote, you know, drug riddled and all that sort of stuff, they're now drug testing. And now, you know, we, and really, like you said, set the stage for the explosion of popularity that's going to come, you know, just a few years after that, and then just explode to another level in the 90s. Um, right, right. You know, that drug testing is a big part of that. The entire CBA, that, that that CBA that, you know, Lunar is a part of making is a big reason why a lot of that uh, stuff will happen later. Uh, so credit to him for sure. And then, yeah, Lanier in his final season, uh, 84 season, um, uh, the, probably the, the – uh, the the highlight of it, uh, although he actually played pretty well, he played seventy two games um, his last season, so he still you know his numbers were were still fine. Um, the Bucks, you know, they were getting a, a little bit older. They they fell off a little bit as a team. Uh, they won still won fifty games. Uh, they beat Atlanta and New Jersey in the first round before fa- falling to the uh, Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, it was a situation in the Pontiac Silverdome where he uh, became angry with uh, Bill Lambeer, you know, of course, who kind of taken over Lanier's place as uh, center of the uh, Pistons, popular in Detroit, but not really anywhere else. Uh, they they got entangled, and then uh, Lanier decided, hey, I'm going to uh, punch uh, Lambeer with a left hook and break his nose. So support uh, I support Bob Lanier yeah. in his endeavors. Yes, please. Right. <laughs> More people so, should have punched <laughs> Bill Lambeer and broke his nose, I think, personally. It, yeah. I I, I don't disagree, Rich. So yeah, the uh, you got a five thousand dollar fine, and also the uh, Pistons. Uh, that situation, they decided they would not retire his number until nineteen ninety three. Oh. So um, it uh, worth it, it honestly worth that, it. Probably, I'm sure. Yeah. So yes, he and then he officially retired uh, September nineteen eighty four. Uh, said recurring knee injuries is the reason for his retirement. It had been before the eighty five season. And they made the Eastern Conference Finals twice. The Bucs, you know, obviously didn't win a championship, didn't make the finals, but, you know, did um, some great things. After his retirement, Lanier then became a special uh, assistant to NBA Commissioner David Stern and embraced being an ambassador for the league. And, yeah, and, and I remember that um, it, it, the thing that I think of Bob Lanier is thinking about all those NBA Cares commercials, so thinking about, like, so many commercials you see foreign players and you see Bob Lanier on there. And that's really what I think of before I ever heard you really knew anything about Bob Lanier as a player, just, you know, growing up, just all of those, every time the NBA had an event, anytime anybody was interviewed, anytime there was anything where they were trying to highlight, like see something off the court, you'd see Bob Lanier there, you know, um, yeah, just big giant things. suit. Cause he's just a giant right. man. And yeah, right. that, that, I'm the same way. Like I, I knew him as guy that wore suit and like, you know, right. was at events more so than I knew him as a player, but yeah, you could just see what a hulking presence he was even there. Cause he's with like, he's with other NBA players. He's with other human beings. You're like, that guy is massive. Good Lord. Look at that guy. Uh, and yeah, I remember more as a yeah guy in glasses with a giant suit, you know, there at every single NBA cares event, every single charity event, every, you know, all-star weekend, all that sort of stuff. That's how I knew him before I even knew, you know, of, of, of his playing career. So yeah, he, he became arguably as famous, you know, for, for an entire generation of fans as, as that kind of guy, like you said, more so than, than even the player. And then you know, one of his contemporaries, Willis Reed, said, yeah, Bob probably wasn't as good a total player as he could have been because of the knee injury, but he would probably was still one of the best all-around big men to ever play the game of basketball. So that's, uh, that's not bad. That's, uh, no, and if you've ever yeah. seen him play, I mean, there's I, I, I found on YouTube, there's like a 45-minute compilation of like Bill uh, Bob Lanier 
uh, a, a video out there. It's aw- it's really cool, and they like split it up by like here he is scoring on the right block, here he is scoring on the left block. It's awesome, and I watched all forty five minutes of it because uh, I'm a, a maniac. But uh, one thing that you notice from Lanier is like he plays like a man whose knees hurt. You know what I mean? Like every time you see you you see it, this guy if like he was fully healthy would have been even better right. because like you could see that he like his body is just massive. He's just a big big dude. But right. you could tell that he's kind of has a limp to him. He's got sort of a, a a slow stride to him, but he's still like scoring at will. I mean, he's just right. so crafty, great footwork. And like I said, one of the things that 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 shocked me the most was how good of an outside shot he had. And it, like right. Right. he would be able to you know shoot from fifteen to sixteen feet easily. And you're like, man, like in an, any other era, like God, that guy would have been you know insane. Like a dude who can back it down like that, who who has great you know like behind the you know back to the basket great like like he's a great hook shot and then also could shoot from like 15 to 16 feet i mean man that you see why he scored so much despite and then yeah you see him run and you're like oh my god he looks like he's in insane pain like constantly and and well he kind of was but i was able to, to live a pretty decent life after uh the nba and like you said what became a pretty prominent uh figure uh in 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 the you know the charities and and nba cares and all that sort of stuff after his career yeah, too so absolutely yeah uh, all right, some key games, quick uh, little key games of Lanier's career. Uh, his debut game, obviously that that one is is very prominent. As you as you said earlier, you know he obviously injures his knee in the knee in the regional championship game uh, in a collision with Chris Ford of Villanova. The uh, aforementioned Chris Ford, first guy to ever hit a three in NBA history. Uh, regardless of that, Detroit Pistons still selects him first overall in the 1970 draft. Um, also drafted by the New York Nets in the 1970 ABA draft. So he does sign with the uh, NBA, as you said. Uh, he does it while in the hospital recovering for his knee surgery. Um, that's a pretty good draft, too, that 1970 NBA draft. Other Hall of Famers from that draft. Uh, all top four picks. Uh, Bob Lanier, Rudy Tomjanovich, Pete Maravich, and Dave Collins all made the Hall of Fame. Uh, second round picks, Calvin Murphy and Nate Archibald are also Hall of Famers. Seventh round pick, Charlie Scott. And then eighth round pick, Dan Issel, also your Hall of Famers. Eighth round pick, Dan Issel, uh, a Hall of Famer. But uh, Lanier does, despite the injury, gut through the pain to play his debut October 14th, 1970 against the Seattle Supersonics. Detroit wins 113-117. Lanier has 22 points and six rebounds. Dave Bing has 25. Jimmy Walker chipped in 22 there. So, uh, And you mentioned a little bit as well that that he just was never healthy that earlier year. He would say that he, he probably should have just sat out. Would have been better for him. Would have been better for the team. But he just... Didn't do it. He kept going. Uh, he does rehabilitate his knee, though. Uh, this is pretty awesome. Uh, with the help of uh, the aforementioned coach, Butch Van Brendikoff, he says uh, he had Lanier stay with him at his beachfront house for two and a half weeks and run in the sand. So I, I love this idea of, like, Butch, yeah. you know, with his feet up, you know, with some sort of drink and, you know, and, yeah. and like a, a Mai Tai, and then Pop Lanier's just running in the sand. <laughs> He's like, more. Run the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. 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 I don't know if Butch is a drinker, but I could see, you know, it yeah. could be a kitty cocktail, a, a Mai Tai, I don't know what it is. There you go. I don't know. His feet are definitely up. He's definitely enjoying the, the yeah. beach lifestyle there, but uh, yeah. anyway, there you go. Uh, next game here, November 20th, 1972, a career-high 48 points versus Portland. Uh, so after his up-and-down rookie year, as we said, like, you know, production's not quite there. He does play in 82 games. Uh, his second year, he bursts, you know, he just comes onto the scene like crazy in 1972. Uh, makes his first All-Star game. He averages 25.7 points per game, 14.2 rebounds per game. Uh, he picked up right where he leaves off in 1973 as well, uh, averaging 24.3 points per game, 14.2 points per game for Detroit. Uh, in the month of November, uh, and it was in this month that he'd have his best scoring game ever with 48 points against the uh, Trailblazers. Uh, Lanier would put up 40 points uh, more than 20 times in his career as well, but uh, 
Uh, Lanier went in this game 19 of 35 from the field, 10 of 12 from the free throw line, and had a game-high 16 rebounds as well. So, yeah, 40, uh, 48 points and 16 boards, not a bad day uh, at the office. And uh, speaking of rebounds and speaking of this season as well, uh, December 22nd, 1972, he gets 33 rebounds against the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, it, it, just an incre- incredible output here. Uh, his 33 rebounds nearly matched the entire Sonics team, which had 39. Uh, he also chipped in at 23 points. The Pistons won 109-97. Uh, this is the only 30-plus rebound game in Lanier's career. He would have 49 regular season and playoff games with 20-plus rebounds, though, but only one time does he eclipse uh, 30 rebounds here uh, in uh, December of 1972. Uh, 1974, the All-Star Game. You mentioned that earlier. He's the All-Star Game MVP. He apparently loves the air up in Seattle, likes the Space Needle, likes Mount Rainier. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Because he's Love Seattle. grabbing rebounds yeah. against Seattle. He, hell, Portland, he's scoring a bunch of points. He just likes the Pacific Northwest, I think. So he likes hey, you know, a little, yeah. little cloud not? cover, a little, you know, hey, I don't blame it's him. Nice I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Pacific Northwest, too. So right. uh, he takes part in the 1974 NBA All-Star Game, his third uh, All-Star birth over the first four years. On this night, though, he is the most valuable player, scoring 24 points. Uh, in route to being named the MVP. Now, okay, here's here's a little bit of issue I have. I don't want to take anything away from Lanier. I didn't want to take away his his you know having the record largest shoe or whatever. Uh, okay, but Spencer Haywood has 23 right. points and 11 rebounds in this game. Bob Lanier has 24 points and 10 rebounds. So he has one more point, Bob Lanier, and one more re- uh, and one less rebound. Okay, yeah. Spencer Haywood plays for the Seattle SuperSonics. Sure, we, we could give it to the hometown guy. I, it is a uh, it is Kelly, Kelly Key Arena, you know, go, go home happy. Come on, maybe they, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe they just didn't like Lanier, for, or obviously maybe they just didn't like Awood for some, you know, some reason. Maybe the whole, yeah. uh, the whole I came in who, the league thing. Or voted, maybe, I don't even know who votes for the All Star Game. Who MVP. votes for the All Star Game? That's. I think uh, now it's like some dumb. I don't know, it's probably on TikTok or some shit. I don't know what right. you do now to vote for it, but right. in those days, I don't know who voted for it. But yeah, I mean, Spencer Awood, come on. I'm assuming the sports like, writers probably voted yeah. for it. Yeah. I would think so. Well, I can't imagine sense. sports writers having a vendetta against any players, so that's, uh, oh, that's right. impossible yeah. that could happen, so there must have been right. another reason. But uh, All right. either enough. way, what's awesome is Spencer Haywood and Lanier were on the same team, and they dominated for the West, giving them the 134-123 win. So good for them. Uh, 25-point triple-double here, March 12, 1974. Uh, one of Lanier's best games of his career. Uh, he puts up 25 points, 19 rebounds, and 11 assists to help the Pistons beat Golden State 113-108. He should have just played in the West Coast, if we're being honest. Like, right. Clearly the, the air Coast. was helping him. Clearly yeah. the, his, his bones were better. I mean, Detroit was – honestly – yeah, I mean, I'm sore constantly in the winter in, in Chicago. So yeah, maybe he sure. should have not played in Detroit. This would have been, this would have worked out great for him. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, out of the ordinary for Lear, uh, who had being on his team and really didn't need or want to pass. Uh, he had only four double-digit assist games in his entire career, including a 12 assist game against Golden State in December of 1973. So he just likes yeah. playing West Coast teams here. But uh, well, I mean, I guess it's good the Pistons were out west for for his career. Yeah, that, exactly. That, that way, sure. yeah, that. Yeah, that way he could go out west, get to play well. You know, gets gets that uh, you know, no lack of humidity. You know, it's yeah. good for his knees. You know, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, I'm absolutely. With so yeah. Uh, playoff debut here, March 30th, 1974. So nobody would obviously confuse the Pistons for the Boston Celtics in the early days of the NBA and the early days of professional basketball. But they were still a team that made the playoffs regularly. Yeah, they did so with records such as 28 and 44 and 30 and 45 and 34 and 46. But ah, who cares? They still hey, made, they it made it to the two, dance. They made two finals. Yeah, yeah they made go. it to yeah. the dance. Goddamn it. So that's all that matters. Yeah. So right. uh, by 1976, uh, uh, 64, though, that well had run dry and the Pistons would make only one playoff run in the next decade uh, in 1968. 
Finally, in 1974, thanks in large part to Lanier, they are back. Uh, Lanier helps the team put uh, together their first ever 50-win season. Uh, Detroit is matched up with the upstart Bulls, and like we talked about earlier, they're battled in a hard-fought seven-game series. Uh, in his playoff debut, Lanier scores 27 points, grabs 13 rebounds, and overall in that series, he would average 26.3 points per game, 15.3 rebounds per game, uh, and then the two-point loss in Game 7 ends their playoffs, which would become, uh, unfortunately, an all-too-familiar trend for uh, of playoff and failure is probably not the right word, but playoff disappointment for Lanier and the Pistons. Uh, 1975, out in the first round. 1976, lost in Game 6 of the Western Conference Semifinals. 1977, out in the first round. And then, as we just talked about, unfortunately, his run to Milwaukee doesn't go that much better. The team is better. They just can't get over the hump. Uh, they lose two times in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, and numerous other times in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. And then uh, December 26, we talked about this game a little bit earlier. December 26, 1979, uh, the last game for Lanier in Detroit. And the Pistons, absolute disaster that year. They'd go, you know, 16 and 66, as we said. Uh, Lanier asked for a trade, and Detroit obliged, sending him to Milwaukee. Uh, but in his final game as a Piston, Lanier had what else but a double double 24 points and 13 rebounds. He would end his career with 442 double doubles. Yeah, some, uh, some great ones there. Um, yeah, we've been wrapping it up. We got a few, uh, few more anecdotes, a few, few more things to uh, talk about on uh, Lanier. Growing up, initially, uh, yeah, he wanted to play basketball, but people were like, "Nope, you're too big, you're too clumsy, you're not." You're. He was told by one of his coaches that his feet, which were size eleven at age eleven, were too large for him to become a successful athlete. That guy although, is dumb. Yeah, <laughs> that guy doesn't understand sports. Although he was six foot five by age sixteen, he did not make the varsity basketball squad his sophomore year of high school. He was deemed to be too clumsy. Well. It got better. He eventually, uh, yeah, he decided, hey, he's big, and he got more coordinated, and he was awesome in in the rest of high school and in college. Um, and then it's talked about into his pro career. Uh, also notable, hey, the man enjoyed a good fight, or if he didn't enjoy a good fight, he certainly partook in many of them. In fact, yes, and one there's most of yes, them. <laughs> right? There's a uh, you know the it talks about there's an article from 1977 talks about uh you know um uh, he he fights against uh, bill Robinson against um bob christian 1971 knocking him out oh yeah there was a uh there was a a, a pretty famous brawl actually uh that was during the uh, playoffs where they were facing the warriors I forget which series it was but basically um a fan came out and tried to uh get into it with him and he uh punched the fan out so oh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. who comes at bob lanier are you kidding me right <laughs> like, what right are you doing? why would you ever yes. do that that's not gonna yes. end well for you and it didn't right and it shouldn't uh, no <laughs> and yeah. and even maurice lucas was like yeah f- uh, who is of course you know one of the famous oh, fighters notorious fighter yeah right and he says eh, if i found myself looking face to face with lanier he says I invited for drinks after the game. So <laughs> even, uh, you know, even uh, Maurice Lucas isn't going to mess with um, with him. So uh, Lanier said there was one guy. Yeah, he decides, like, maybe I'm not going to fight. It was Will Chamberlain. He said, um, you know, he talks about where we're playing in L.A. They had the ball on an inbounds play. Will and I were jockeying position. The ref stepped in and told us if we didn't cut it, he called double foul. Well, I stepped in on Will again. He just picked me up and moved me out of the way. <laughs> And that was it. So no messing with Will Chamberlain. Uh, one of my favorite stories here is that, um, you know, when, you know, um, when he was at, you know, NBA Cares or, you know, whatever events that he was going on, uh, you know, when, once Shaquille O'Neal came in the league, people figured like, oh, like, yeah, I'm Shaq's dad. And then he's, 
he just said, you know, people would tell him, oh, you're wearing them big shoes. And he'd just go along with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm Shaq's dad. You know, he just didn't even like bother like correcting people at a certain point. He's like, yeah, he's going to do that. And then Isaiah Thomas talking about um, his NBA debut, which was um, against the Bucks. You know, Lanier had just come back from, you know, he'd just been traded a year and a half before. Um, so it was still novel for him to be to be playing in Detroit. He's like, yeah, I was having some success in the game early on. He was coming down the lane. And he said, yeah, I remember Lanier literally grabbed me out of the air, gently set me down and said, don't come down here no more. And for the rest of the game, I became a great jump shooter. <laughs> he was one of the true enforcers of the game. He patrolled the parade. He patrolled the parade. I remember the moment vividly in my head. This is from the um, Detroit Free Press uh, obituary for um, uh, Lanier. So, yeah. And then, um, as we said, you know, after, of course, was an ambassador in the NBA, uh, he became involved in 1989 in the NBA's Stay in School program. Uh, did that for a few years, and then he actually went back. He, he did do, do a little bit of coaching. He was an assistant with Don Nelson once he was with the Warriors toward the end of his time with the Warriors. Um, you know, th- that was also during the time in which um, which Nelson was having some issues with Chris Webber, thought he would maybe try to help out with that. Didn't really work so much. Nelson ended up stepping down. Lanier was the interim coach um, for the team's final 37 games. Uh, twelve and twenty-five record as a uh, as an interim coach, and then Rick Adelman would uh, come back and they would return to his role as assistant. Uh, later, then of course he would have the role as the special assistant to the commissioner in the NBA executive office. Did that for for many years, and then yeah, he served youth and programs to support education, family development, and health related classes. So, like I said, good guy did a lot of good things for yeah. a lot of people. Great ambassador for the league, and definitely will be missed. Yeah, absolutely, will be. Missed. But uh, hopefully we did uh, did did, a, did his career to some justice here, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, hopefully everybody takes the time to to you know if you don't know about Bob Lanier, you haven't heard Bob, of Bob Lanier, you haven't watched any clips. Uh, you know, again, I hate that it has to be you know death that makes people do that, but you know if it has to sure. be, then this is maybe a great time to um, uh, you, you know check him out and 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 see about this guy. And uh, he's pr- I, I, arguably, I would say, in some ways, most famous for. You know his the line that he's quoted in an airplane. You know more so than oh, right. like, yes. That's something that like throughout the entire week, like you just heard people bring up airplane. You know, and that and that that Kareem. I don't know who came up with that line. I don't know if Kareem came up with the line or whatever, but that he was included in that line is is just an all time iconic thing. And it's either Kareem showing the respect to him or the writer showing the respect to him. But yeah, just an all time great. It, it speaks to his toughness, his his his. Uh, his, his strength, all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, that, that, probably arguably more famous for that than anything else in his entire life as that movie is, it continues to, uh, to, you know, be, be one of the all time great uh, comedies of all time. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a uh, great. And yeah, the, the actual quote is tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Uh, yeah. And, and Lanier loved that. Like he, he said, like he would show like, you know, his kids that are his grandkids. Yeah. Like, you know, it was definitely something he appreciated being a part of, but yeah, it's one of, one of the great random pop culture, uh, things. And yeah, something that, uh, he'll always be mortalized for, uh, you know, who is, uh, who's Lanier? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, right, right. you're watching a movie, you, you, uh, and somebody's like, yeah, who's, um, who's Lanier? Like, Hey, there's a podcast to listen to mm-hmm. check out the over NBA podcast. We'll tell you all about Lanier. So Absolutely, we will. Yeah. All we right. Did. Well, we did. yeah, we did. Here we are. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoys this, enjoyed the uh, podcast. You can, um, if you're, into what we're doing and please uh, leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform in which you uh, listen to us. We would greatly appreciate that. It helps spread the word about the show and uh, you can uh, get any feedback on what we did today. Uh, you can uh, 
We are on social media, Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back NBA. And um, yeah, so uh, thanks every again. Thanks everyone again for listening. We're back again soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.